following message is from Narrative Church, a Lutheran church located in Williamson County, Texas. For more information, go to www.narrative.church. So Easter morning, we're all here. We've made it. Listen, nothing has been strange about Easter for the past two years, right? Just regular Easters. I'll tell you what, my Easter in 2020 was one of the most surreal things I've ever done because everything was shutting down and it was like three weeks before Easter. And so we're sitting there going, what are we going to do? So we learned how to record our video, record our audio. We learned how to edit video together. And we had one of the kind of weirdest online Easter's ever. But it was great because everyone was locked inside. And we all loved it. We wish we could go back to it. I know all of you are saying, if only we could go back to lockdowns. All the introverts are like, please. But it's been kind of strange lately. Last year, we were out at um, a brewery. So Wrench Brewery, which we have friends with, when, when everything started shutting down, we called them up. We said, hey, could we use y'all's beer garden? And they said yes. And all of you who are from Texas know that is just rolling dice, right? Because there could be days where you're like, perfect weather. We should be outside, we should be outside every week. And the next week you're like, ah! Because you're trying to suck in, you're like drinking the air, right? Where you walk outside, like inside you're like, it's going to be a good day. You walk outside and it's like, get me a Slurpee straw. Because it is just so humid. But here's what I discovered about us as Texans. Listen, it's 101, we know what to do. Throw on some shorts, throw on some sandals, throw on a light shirt. We're going to have our little fans on the water bottle, you know, just spritzing ourselves, no problems. 50 degrees, everyone's like, I'll be church online this week. But we had that kind of year and a half of strangeness. But the Lord carried us through. But you know what? Easter is a strange thing. If you've been in the church for any amount of time, I want you to kind of try and Step back and view Easter with fresh eyes. If you're brand new to, to Jesus or, or, you know, learning more about him, great. Welcome to the weird. Because here's what's happened. Friday night, Jesus dies, and a man named Joseph of Arimathea comes up and says, listen, can I take his body? I have a place where I can bury him. And the governing authorities say, sure, no problem. So they wrap him for burial. They put him in a tomb. And as they would at this time, they buried him in a cave and rolled a stone in front of it. And so Jesus' followers begin to mourn his passing. This man who they believed to be sent from God has now died a death that is cruel and horrible. And so they begin the period of mourning. And then after the Sabbath is over, 
some women go out to anoint his body with oils. Because all of you know what happens if a rat dies in your attic, right? Everything starts to smell. So these women had these oils. Because Jesus, as a body decomposing, is going to start to smell. So they have these perfumes, these oils, to anoint his body, that as people mourn, there would still be the opportunity to see him. It's not quite embalming, but a little better than just leaving his body there. And these women come to the tomb. And this is what happens. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb and they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? I love how like every day this story is, right? Let's look at it with some fresh eyes. Here's the everydayness. They are walking and they're probably, you know, far enough away. You know when you get far enough away from a place that you go, I'm not going back where you've driven and forgotten something at home, and you go, I can buy batteries somewhere else. So they're far enough away that they're not turning around to go grab some disciples to say, hey, we need some of you to come roll this stone away. They're going, who's going to roll the stone away? And looking up, they saw the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the side dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb. For trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Lots of fear in that passage. They see this guy sitting in white robes, afraid. Right? Not usually something that sparks fear in me. Just somebody sitting there, white robes. Okay. But there's something going on. They immediately notice it. And there's fear. And his response, as is the response of any messenger of God in Scripture, is he says, do not be afraid. Listen, these ladies lucked out because it was a man in a white robe. Go to Revelation and look up the descriptions of angels. Just trust me. A lot more fearful there than a man in a white robe. For those of you chuckling, you know it's like a thousand eyes and you know one mouth. It's really weird. 800 wings. So there's this fear in them. Something is different. Something is off. And even after he says, do not be afraid, he says, look here, look at me. He is risen just as he said. And they still leave with fear and trembling. I think sometimes Easter can become a little bit, oh yeah, that's, that's the holiday. We know Easter. Let's go find our, you know, bright colors and, you know, we'll put those on and we'll go to church and, 
you know, we'll go with mom so she's happy and we're going to be there and it's going to be a lot of fun and okay, we're going to do that and there's going to be an Easter egg hunt and all those kinds of things and it just kind of becomes something. But what I want us to look at is to go, listen, this is strange. When was the last time you showed up to a funeral and it was empty and there's a casket and some dude sitting there going, he done rose. We were just here like the sandwiches were ready in the next room you know, pastor was all robed up, ready to go, but nope, he's gone, right? Like, no, here's this moment where they walk in that something that doesn't happen has happened. And that is strange, and it is bewildering, and that's what we believe, is that a man who was dead on Friday, on Sunday, is gone. Not because someone stole his body, not because he had rapidly decomposed, not for any other reason than as the Son of God, he died to take our sins and he rose again to say, and here's new life. The good news of the cross is that what you have done is forgiven. That if you look at your life and you say, if only I, and you filled in the blank and said, if only I were a little bit more like this, then God would possibly love me. Or maybe it's the opposite side of things. And you go, well, I'm a very lovable person. There's no doubt God loves me. Well, let me introduce you to Paul, who says no one is righteous. You see, no matter where we are on that spectrum, what the cross says is that when we couldn't, Jesus did. The book of Romans would say, at just the right time, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So that when you ask, could I possibly be forgiven? The answer is yes. That in Christ, there is that forgiveness. And the empty tomb is his declaration of victory Yesterday, today, and forever. That no matter where you've come from, no matter where you're going, no matter what's happening, the empty tomb declares that you are given new life. That in following Jesus, you are given a gift. It's very easy for us to say, I need to love and serve others. And then there's this kind of guilt based around it. But in the empty tomb, we find that loving and serving others is a benefit gift of God to us. That we don't love and serve others because we want something for them. We love and serve them because we look and say, when I needed love and service, Jesus did that. For me, the empty tomb declares to us that even as the cross redeemed us, even as the cross saved us on Friday night, that that's not the end. You see, if it was just about your salvation, that would be enough. But God says, no, 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 I want you to have life and have it to the fullest. That the empty tomb tells us to 
tells you and tells me that Jesus has looked and said, listen, this life you're living right now, it's not pointless. It's worth something. You clocking in and out of work, it's worth something. You getting your assignments done for school, it's worth something. You having a lazy Saturday afternoon, it's worth something. Because it all points to my kingdom. Because what we believe and what we declare this morning is not just that Jesus somehow spiritually reincarnated, but that flesh and bone was reanimated. And in fact, what we confessed earlier was that we believe in the resurrection and the new life. The promise of the empty tomb is that we one day too will have that resurrection. That when God says there will be a new heaven and a new earth and it will be in perfection, it's not that somewhere down the line, you see, when I was a kid, what I got stuck in my head was it was going to be like this massive church service all the time in heaven. I was a pastor's kid. I was carrying the chairs for that church service. I was setting tables up and tearing them down. And I thought, wow, if heaven's going to be church all the time, I'm not so sure about this Jesus thing. But as I grew and learned more and more about not only God's deep love for me, but also what's to come, which is to say what's coming is the redemption of everything. It's not some spiritual place where all we do is float on clouds and sing hymns and play our little harps. It's about saying, no, what was created in the beginning, what was perfect in the garden, what God looked at and said, it is good, that is coming back again. And that is the promise of the empty tomb, is that we are looking forward to that day where once again, those who have gone before us and those who will come that are in the faith will be raised from the dead, just as Jesus was. And you know what? If I could tell you how that's going to happen, I would be making a whole lot more money than I do right now. Because the truth is, it's a beautiful mystery. We don't know how it's going to happen, but we trust the promises of Jesus that say he is coming again. That he is going to take graves and turn them into gardens. That he is going to take broken lives and make them whole. And his promise is not that right now you're going to get everything you want. His promise is follow me and watch how it leads to new life. Because one day when the old passes away and the new comes and we are raised again, there's going to be a beautiful earth that God will look and say, it is good. There will be resurrected people that our belief as people of faith is that it's weird that we're going to die and someday we'll be back. Let's just all sit back and go, sounds crazy. But that's belief. Is that he is going to come again. That he will take broken things and make them beautiful. That is the promise of the empty tomb. One thing we have built as a tradition here at Narrative is what we call the flowering of the cross. So this cross here um, is one of the 
greatest moments of um, my pastoral leadership as a church. And that I looked at Derek Matheson and said, hey, do you know what we could do for a cross? He's like, I got you. And this is driftwood from the river behind their house. And a welded stand that goes with it. And I love it because, man, listen, when you see that, immediately old rugged cross, right? No doubt. This was not planed wood. This was not oiled and sanded and perfection. This is a tree. But we as people of faith, we use the cross, an instrument of torture and death, but it has become our look at hope. And so every year, we take this old rugged cross and we make it a little bit new again. We reflect that day to come when Jesus returns. So I'm going to invite the band to come back forward. I'll finish the sermon with a prayer. And as the band plays this next song, I invite forward our kids. And what we'll do is we're just going to put a bunch of flowers on the cross. And it takes something old and rugged and makes it beautiful again. And here's something I'd encourage you to do. After church, I'll flip on all the lights. If you want a family picture, this cross looks great for a Sunday morning Easter picture. And it's a great reminder of that promise of the empty tomb that says Jesus is for us, for new life and salvation. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks that we can be here this morning. Lord, open our hearts to hear the promises anew. If it's the first time, open hearts to hear that promise. Lord, if it's the millionth time, let it feel like the first. That Jesus has died, Jesus has rose, and He will come again in His glory for us. Let us rejoice that yesterday, today, and forever, Jesus is Lord. He rules and reigns. Amen.